0: Our scripture reading today comes from Philippians 3, verses 10 through 14. Hear the word of the Lord. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained all this, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold for that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. The word of the Lord. Philippians 3.10, as Will just read, Paul declares... I want to know Christ. If we were to ask several of us today here, if you knew Jesus, I would bet most of us would probably raise our hand. But this is the Apostle Paul saying, I want to know Christ. Doesn't he already know him at this point? I mean, sure, Paul knew Christ just as some of us know him. He encountered the risen Christ on the road to Damascus, and as a result, he recognized Jesus as his Savior who died for his sins and the sins of the world. He knew Jesus as the resurrected Son of God who had given Paul eternal life. But that was not enough for Paul. Paul was not content with having Jesus as a casual acquaintance to consult a few times a year or call whenever he needed something or when he was scared. As a matter of fact, Jesus is not content with having us as casual acquaintances either. If you're a teenager now, I want you to think about your life at school or if you're like me, we've been out of it for quite some time. Think back to your school days several years ago. All right? Let's say you have a classmate that you would like to get to know or become better friends with. How deep will that relationship get if that person only acknowledges your presence every once in a while? How far will that friendship go if they act like they don't know you around one group of friends, but yet when you get another group of friends, you're best friends? How deep will that relationship get if that person shows up every morning panicking because they haven't done their homework, and they want you just to give them the answers that you worked so hard to find for yourself? If that was the extent of your interactions each day and nothing more, how many of us would actually consider that person to be our friend? How close would we really be? How many times have we treated Jesus the same way? How often have we said that we love him and yet only worship and talk to him every once in a while? How often have we acknowledged him around one group of people but then ignored him around another group? Or pretended like we didn't know him? Or acted like we didn't know him? How often do we pray? And when we do pray, how often are we turning to him in panic, simply wanting some answers? And then, once the crisis has passed, we simply move on with our lives without giving much thought until the next crisis happens. This Easter Sunday, just how close to Christ are we really? Paul was not satisfied with casually knowing Jesus. He wanted to know Christ more and more personally for himself. You might say he hungered and thirsted for it. He wanted to know more, we also read, of the power of his resurrection. How much do we really know intimately the power of the resurrection in our own lives? Sure, we know it up here. But what impact does it have in our lives out there? How does one get to know that power? Paul continues by saying, first you're sharing in Christ's sufferings and becoming like him in his death. In other words, we can't feel, experience the fullness of Christ's resurrection power until we have shared in his suffering. We can't experience the fullness of Christ's power that raised him from the dead without partnering with Jesus in his pain and his death. That makes sense, doesn't it? If you think about it, when you really love someone, I mean, really love someone, you want to, you're not content with just having a a first date and then go a long time before you have a second date, right? That's not how it works. When you love someone, you want to share time and life with them, for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health. When that's the case, we want to participate not only in their joys, but also in their sorrows. Not only when they're strong, But also when they're weak. I got to know my wife, Wendy, several years ago when some friends of ours set us up on a blind date. Y'all have heard me talk about certain details. I'm not going to rehash that this morning. I just simply remember calling her on the phone. We've never met. And we talked for, I believe, I'd consulted with her. I think it was two hours straight. And how long do you think that conversation lasted, it seemed? It seemed to fly by just like that I remember a few days later I picked her up to take her out and to eat and it was obvious that we were really into each other have you ever had one of those experiences where you could just tell man this is working right <laughs> but when the date was over I was ecstatic and she was too she told me later that she was discur- uh, you know kind of frustrated that her friend Deborah, her roommate did not stay up so she could tell her how great the date went well, that's at the point where that newness of that relationship and the awkwardness of that dating took place. Because on my end, I'm thinking, well, I don't want to come across as desperate. I don't want to run her away. I mean, you know, what I mean? you can overdo it. So I didn't call her the next day or the next day. I think I waited two or three days at least. Meanwhile, on her side, she didn't get a call the next day, and she's like, what's going on? She began to go frustrated, wondering if I was still interested. If I had known that, I'd called her in a hot minute that next day. We eventually worked through that, and obviously we reconnected, and we've been married for more than 25 years now, easily. We couldn't get enough of one another. We wanted to know one another more and more. In order to get to know each other more on a deeper level, it can't always be sunshine and rainbows right? Love wants to be there not only during the good times, but in the bad times. You want to get to know someone more intimately? You be there to share in their suffering with them. Don't just be there when life is a honeymoon, when it's convenient, when it's easy. Be there with them when life is hard. Most of you know, last October, I had a back surgery, and uh, Wendy shared in my suffering. Those of you that had spouses that went through surgeries know what I'm talking about. My surgery wasn't until 4.30 in the afternoon. It was a long day and Wendy was there in the waiting room throughout the whole surgery and then she was there after I got out of recovery waiting for me in the room where I would be staying for the night and let me just say when they rolled me into that room I was not the gorgeous guy that appears before you today (laughs) I don't say why that's so funny (laughs) she stayed there with me that night And it wasn't fun. It wasn't a picnic. Until past 11 o'clock. Then the Monday after I was back home after my surgery and still pumped up on anesthesia, some of you know what I'm talking about here. I had asked her to take one day off from school while I continued to adjust because I didn't feel I was ready. And she was outside talking to the person, getting ready to take Lindsay to school. Meanwhile, on the inside, I reached for my little grabber. You know what I'm talking about? Those little things you can get that grab stuff because I can't bend over. I can't do anything. And it falls out of my hands. And I look at that grabber on the floor. In my overly charged emotional state, I begin to think, if she was not here, I would not be able to pick up anything for the rest of the day. And so when Wendy comes back into the house, she's met with a blubbering husband like, will you pick my gripper up? Man. She started to tear up too. Why? Why? Cause she was sharing in my suffering it was because I've been there with her during her suffering and she's been there with me during my suffering that we know one another on a much more intimate level than anyone else in this world in the same way we take our relationship with Christ to a deeper level when we share in His suffering. Keeping in mind that sharing is a two-way street, right? When you're sharing something, it's together. We share in Christ's suffering as we share our suffering with Him. For instance, if we feel isolated or alone this morning, we can share in Christ's suffering as we identify with Him as He was in Gethsemane Praying while his disciples slept on him. Have we ever had someone stab us in the back? Sharing Christ's suffering. Identifying with him. in how Judas betrayed him with a kiss. Ouch. Sharing Christ's suffering. If we have been physically or verbally abused. We can identify with him when people... The people mocked him, spat on him, beat him to a bloody pulp, and crucified him. Have we been sexually abused and suffered from that shame and wrestled with it? We can identify with Christ. We can share in his suffering as they stripped him and humiliated him publicly while the soldiers divided his clothes among themselves. Have you ever suffered an injustice or paid the price for something you didn't do? We can share in Christ's suffering because we can identify with how he, though he was without sin, took the punishment and penalty for our sin and died in our place. Jesus loved us enough to enter into our sufferings in order to save us and now we are invited to enter into his and in doing so we will know and appreciate him and his love more deeply we can share in his sufferings as we deny ourselves daily and take up our cross and follow him When we do, we will discover and know more and more the power of Christ's resurrection in our lives. We will know this power that will make us more and more holy and fit for His Holy Spirit to reside within us. This power will make us more and more able to grasp the depths of Christ's love for us. This resurrection power energizes our faith With more and more strength so that we can endure and overcome challenges while being increasingly filled with his peace, his joy, his thanksgiving, and the hope that we have in him. The more and more we grow in our trials, the more and more we will know Christ and the power of his resurrection. This is true even in our death. How? Because we believe, as Paul says, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. He says, We do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles. You know, back then they were suffering some horrible persecutions. Paul calls them light and momentary troubles. Are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. On the day when Christ returns, we will identify with him on a level that we'll never attain in this lifetime if he tarries in coming back. Because on the day that he comes back, we will identify with him and his resurrection power fully. Because he tells us we too will rise from the grave. In 1 Corinthians 15, 20-23, according to the contemporary English version, it says Christ has been raised to life. And he makes us certain that others will also be raised to life. Just as we will die because of Adam, we will be raised to life because of Christ. Adam brought death to all of us, and Christ will bring life to all of us. But we must each wait our turn. Christ was the first to be raised to life and his people will be raised to life when he returns. It's coming. Whether we're ready or not. Up until that day, for Christ followers, we, like Paul, share in Christ's sufferings. In these sufferings, we discover more and more Of his resurrection power that enables us to not only endure but to thrive. In doing so, we will know more and more of Jesus, identifying with him in his sufferings that we find in the scriptures and the sufferings that we know he endured that aren't even necessarily mentioned by the scriptures. We will do so until the day he returns when we will know him and the power of his resurrection perfectly, without obstruction, we will fully experience it. So you see, celebrating and experiencing Easter is not just an annual one-day event when it's all said and done. When we are not content with knowing Christ a little bit, And just stopping there. When we want to know him more. Continuing and experiencing Easter is an ongoing daily process for us. During which we seek to grow and know him more and more and more. And let's face it. There's always room to grow and know for as long as we have breath here. Until he returns. So as Paul said, as we read a few minutes ago, let's press on to the goal to win the prize for which God has called us heavenward in Christ Jesus. It's a race, my friends. It's a race that we need to keep running. For the longer we endure in that race, the closer and closer to him we come. And the closer and closer to the prize of the resurrection and eternal life it becomes as well. It gets within our grasp. So much so that we can almost taste it. Even in the dark times. And that begins with the meal we're about to share right now. When we share this meal, it engages all five of our senses. We hear the word of the Lord spoken. We hold the cup in our hands. We hold the bread in our hands. We smell it. We hear the word of the Lord spoken. All of this, we share in his sacrifice. He gave us this meal so that just like on that first date that Wendy and I had, we could get to know him more and more and more. The longer that we share in his suffering with him, the deeper we share in his suffering with him, if we keep calling out to him in faith, the deeper the meaning this meal has for us. Because it's life-changing. It's not just for us, oyster crackers, grape juice, and wine. It represents the body of Christ broken for me and for you so that our sins could be forgiven. His blood that was shed so that his righteousness might become ours and we receive eternal life. None of us deserve that. Sometimes I wonder, what am I doing standing up here, to be honest with you? It is all because of him. He deserves the glory. So for all who are Christ followers, I invite you to this table now. If you're not a Christ follower, but you would like to be one at this moment, I invite you just to bow your heads right now. If you are a Christ follower, just simply pray for those that may be praying this prayer. If you would like to become a Christ follower, you can just silently in your heart repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I have fallen short of your standard. I have sinned and made things idols in my life other than God. I have done things that I shouldn't do, and I have failed to do the things that I should. And I acknowledge that I can't save myself. So I call out to Jesus as my Savior, who gave his life in my place. And I desire to repent and call him my Lord. That is to make him the leader of my life as I seek to know you more and more and more each and every day through the joys of my life and through the sufferings. Lord, we're yours. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer and you meant it, you are welcome to this table as well. For now, I read the words from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 26. Paul writes, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Take and eat in his memory. This wine represents Jesus' blood. This cup is a sign of the new covenant. Drink in remembrance of him. Lord God, we thank you for this time that we've had to dine with you. To be with your son. And to share in his sufferings. We thank you, Lord, that we can look back on the promise that was made in the past through this meal. But we also give thanks and look forward to the day when this meal is pointing to another meal that we'll get to share with you in glory. When your bride, the church, will sit down at the table of Christ our groom and enjoy the wedding supper of the Lamb. It is with great anticipation that we desire to experience Christ's resurrection not only in the past, but in the present as we look forward to experiencing it more fully in the future. Until then, we're thankful that we can share in this with you and know you more and more intimately each and every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.